It's so awesome to see you guys. There's so many other places you could be this morning. You could be, I said, not you want to be. Rainy Sunday morning, stay in bed. That was a temptation. Let's see a show of hands. Yeah. (laughs) Honest Christians, I like that. But you came, and God's going to bless you for coming, and I'm going to pray for you that God will bless you greatly and richly for coming here today to worship him, to hear from him, to fellowship with your brothers and sisters, to pray together. Would you bless this congregation richly, Father, and also those who, for one reason or another, are not or could not be here this morning that are connected to this family. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Now, this message today, I'm just going to tell you right up front, you can't comprehend this with your natural mind. By your own understanding. You're going to have to receive this message, the content of this message, with your spirit by faith. Otherwise, it will not make sense. So as Deb makes her way up here to pray, I'm going to pray, or up to here to read, I'm going to pray for you again. Would you stand with me, please? You can tell it's a rainy day. There's not much enthusiasm in here. Even a couple of my elders lollygagged up here for the membership. They said they're old. I don't know. I've seen them outside of here already. So, Father, my prayer now before Deb reads is that you will open our eyes of understanding. That's what it's all about. That's why Paul prayed that you would open the eyes of the Ephesians' understanding because they couldn't get this stuff with their natural minds. We can't get this stuff with our natural minds. We need your Holy Spirit to grant us wisdom and revelation from your word this morning. Would you please do that in Jesus' name? Deb, go ahead and read. For this reason... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Keep asking that the God of, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his uncomparable great power power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. For above all, rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Thank you, Deb. You have the privilege of reading that for the final time. We're finally done with that. So time just keeps moving on. I usually have the sermon completed on Wednesday, at least in a rough draft. 
Thursday I look at it, Saturday I put some final touches on it. And when I finish the sermon on Wednesday, it's like, man, I got to wait till Sunday to be able to share that. I want to preach it on Wednesday. We may have to start having a Wednesday night service. <laughs> but Sunday always comes, and before you know it, it's time to get in the pulpit, and it's time to share the message. Some messages are like you don't want Sunday to come. Other messages you can't wait for Sunday to come. This is one of those messages. I could not wait to share this information with you guys. The title, Content of Intercession, nothing new there. Paul's prayer continued. We're looking at a prayer of intercession. Paul prayed for the Ephesians, one of the premier New Testament churches. The focus for the last four or five weeks has been intercession. There's a reason. It's not because we're stuck in neutral. It's because God is addressing this topic with the church. God is challenging the church, not just us, the church, to go deeper in this matter of intercession because it's absolutely necessary, as I think you prayed, Steve, for his will to be accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. In all these situations that are going on from your own personal life to the Mideast, we want God's will to be accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. The thing that brings that will about is intercession, prayer. So we've been dissecting and looking at it from every angle. Four or five sermons now on intercession. Verses 15 through 23. So verses 17 through 19, they're tucked in there. That contains the bulk of the prayer. Then verses 20 through 23, they're just descriptive verses. It's like Paul's praying and he gets so enraptured with who the Lord is that he stops praying and he's just describing the glory and the majesty of the Lord. You can read and meditate on the verses, on verses 20 through 23, 20 through 23 on your own. We're not going to cover them from the pulpit, but we are going to cover verses 18 and 19. This will finish out what became a mini-series on intercession or intercessory prayer. So Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. There were three things Paul prayed that God would enlighten or he would give understanding to the Ephesian believers on that subject. The first was the incredible hope to which they were called. We discussed that last week. Hopefully you left here full of hope. Then believers are to know and understand what's on the screen here, our inheritance in Christ, the riches of our inheritance. We're not going to spend time there today because we already covered that extensively a few months ago. I think it's one of the sermons in July. I will find out exactly which one it is. And if you want to hear that again, the riches of our inheritance, you can listen to the podcast from July 23rd or 30th, 22nd, 29th, something like that. Just let it suffice for now that if we know Jesus, and it's all dependent on that, if you don't know Jesus, you need to come to know him. None of this is going to make sense, and most of it's not for you. Although it's available to you, all you got to do, give your life to Jesus and invite him to become your Lord and Savior. It's so simple, it's ridiculous. It's a stumbling block for people. It can't be that simple. But he made it simple because we need simple. 
So let it suffice for now that if you know Jesus, you have an inheritance in him. There's something that we as followers of Jesus will inherit, inherit, and actually we already have inherited it. We have an inheritance, at least in part. The fullness is still waiting for us. Because we are united with Christ in him, we have received an inheritance from God. In Christ, we have an inheritance. That's enough. Just know that. We covered it before. Today's focus, extremely important for the church. Extremely important. Did I say it was extremely important? Thank you. That's for those who weren't listening the first two times. So, wow, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. Wow, incomparably great power, the main focus today. You've read Paul's letters. Whenever Paul begins throwing around these lofty adjectives and adverbs to describe something incomparably great, It simply means that he's grasping because there's really no words. There's really no vocabulary available to fully capture the extent of it. He's reaching into what he got, incomparably great. It's impossible for man's language, actually, to define or man's comprehension to grasp what we're talking about here. God's power, incomparably great power. Other places use phrases like exceedingly abundant, immeasurably above and beyond, surpassing greatness. When Paul talks about God's power, he has to reach into his vocabulary to try and find something that will define it for us, and nothing really does. It's really not something that you explain, it's something that you experience. You really don't know it until you experience it. You can learn about it, but you really don't know it until you experience it. Many of us have heard about the things we're going to speak about today, but most of us have not experienced it. The thing that he's attempting to describe for the Ephesians, that he's asking God, please open their minds to this. They're not going to be able to get it with their own human understanding. It's the power that's available to them. As followers of Jesus back then, the power that was available to them. As followers of Jesus today, the power that is available to us. How powerful is this power And we're going to sing about it before we leave today. The band's going to come back for a song. How powerful is this power? This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. What? And seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And it's not for today, but if you go on to read what God had to do to, get, to bring Jesus back from the dead and get him above all the demonic principalities and all that stuff and get him seated on the right hand, that took some power. And that's the power we're talking about. 
It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The band was like, are you sure we have to play this song? I'm like, we got to play this song. It's the verse. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's available to you. It's in you if you know Jesus. It's in you. Come on, pastor. I know me. I know me too. But this is true. If you know Christ, it's the very power of God himself. God's power. Oh, man. Why would God share his power with us? It's the very power of God himself, God's power, the power that he is, the power that he has. All that he is, all that he can do, nothing's impossible to the Lord. All that he is, all that he can do, the almighty dwells in believers. He dwells in us. He dwells in you. He dwells in you. The fullness of the deity, the fullness of the deity dwelt in Christ and Christ dwells in you. Therefore, the fullness of the deity dwells in you. And he makes all that he is available to us from within us. This word power has the meaning of being able, being capable, having strength, ability to accomplish whatever it is. To which we are called to accomplish. Whatever God has asked you to do, the power to do it is within you already. The key is tapping into it. And even before tapping into it, it's choosing to believe it. Unbelief will shut it down. Whatever you need, God's power, strength, ability, you have it. Paul wanted them to know that back then. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. God wants us, the church, to know this today. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, church. Why is Satan pushing you around? Why is evil carrying the day? Let's take a quick walk through Scripture. Become familiar with what the Word has to say. Not just what I'm telling you, but what the Word has to say on this matter. It is indeed the power of God himself. Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. 29. Jesus replied, you are in error because, first of all, you don't know the Scriptures. You don't want to hear Jesus say that to you. You're in error because you don't know the Scriptures. You didn't paying attention to my word, you neglected reading my word. Whatever you did instead of it was not worth it. But anyhow, you are an error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. You don't know the power of God. The Greek word translated power here is the same word translated power there in Ephesians 1.19. It's the power of God himself, all that he is. Luke 8, 46, Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. You know, this is the story of the woman who had an issue of bleeding for 12 years. 
broke through the crowd, touched Jesus, then tried to hide in the crowd. But the woman then came trembling and fell at Jesus' feet, and she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. But power went out from Jesus. Again, this is the same Greek word power here that is translated power in Ephesians 1.19. And it's the power under which or out of which Jesus operated during his earthly ministry. It's the power of God working through Jesus, in this case to bring instant healing to a woman who had been ill for 12 years. That power, this is where you shut down your mind and open up your spirit. To hear this, that same power is available to you and dwells in you and dwells in me if we know Christ. The key is to walk in it. But that's where God's taking the church these days. That's the same power. The power that went out from Jesus and healed that woman is the same power that's available to us that dwells within us. So now knowing this, we've mentioned the next verse over months, maybe even years, we've met, mentioned this verse, and then we always put it back on the shelf because it's a pretty lofty verse. But maybe now thinking about this today, this verse becomes just a bit more believable. John 14, 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater works because I'm going to the Father. What makes this verse even remotely possible? That we would do the things Jesus did. What makes that even remotely possible is that the same power that worked in Jesus dwells in us. If it wasn't for that, we don't have a hope. We don't have a shot. But we do. Unless he said this and didn't really mean it. Here's the thing. We think that's way beyond our pay grade because we could never do it. There's the problem. We can't do it. It's not us. It's the power of God in us. That's what makes it possible. we got to get out of our own way and let him work through us. And those who have done that, not just in the Bible, but post-biblical, through the centuries, have seen God do some crazy things through them. All good. All for good. It isn't us. It's the power of God in us doing the works Jesus did. Now, wait. Before you object, and before you ask what everybody asks, yeah, but what works were they? All I have to say is there's nothing impossible to his power. His power lives in you, so don't limit him with that question. It says the same works. That's all it says. The same works. You want to know what works? Read Jesus, the life of Jesus in the Gospels. Those works. Luke 9.1. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power. This gets better. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. You're kidding me, right, Pastor? Mm. This is the same word power. The same power that operated in Jesus now delegated and activated in his followers to do the work of the ministry 
is available to you, lives in you, lives in me. Like it or not, salvation, healing, deliverance, then and now. The power that operated in Jesus is within us. Acts 1.8, you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Same word, power. It's power that's useful and needed for effective evangelism. If we're trying to share Christ and witness with people outside of that power, good chance we're not going to be effective. And especially today, I've said many times to you, you have to find out for yourself, you're going to come up against some very unreasonable mindsets out there of people who want to argue with you and confront you on things righteous. And your opinion is not going to cut through that. Better know the word, better have the power of God. Jesus actually admonished his disciples, hey, don't leave Jerusalem. I'm going to heaven. I want you to stay in Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem and embark on gospel ministry until you receive the power. They could not be affected without it. Neither can we. Now, of course, Pentecost then happened, and they received the power. And that can throw us into confusion. Don't fall into the trap of thinking we must wait for another Pentecost. They had to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit has now come. And guess where he is? Within you. So you don't have to wait for another Pentecost to receive the power. You already got the power. Amen. It's awesome, isn't it? See why I couldn't wait from Wednesday, for, Wednesday, for Sunday to come from Wednesday. It's like, come on. The Holy Spirit has already come. The Holy Spirit is, is within all believers. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, it says you're not, you don't belong to Christ. There are no true born-again believers that don't have the Spirit. So if you know Christ, you have the Spirit. If you have the Spirit, you have the power. And what we saw in the book of Acts, once that power hit, that's to be the norm. That's to be the standard throughout the church age. From the ascension or maybe from Pentecost, somewhere in there, Till the rapture, we're in the church age. Everything that was true for them is true for us. So Paul is praying for the Ephesians. God, open their eyes to see this. They're walking at such a low estate, human reasoning and human strength. They don't realize the power that's available to them. And I think God's saying that same thing to the church today. I've said this many times. Does it affect God's love for you? No. Does it affect your salvation not to know this? No. Does it affect your experience of him and kingdom service? Yes. Romans 15, 18 and 19. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power, same word, by the power of signs and wonders through the power, same word, of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. 
This power that dwells within us is power to minister. It's power to operate in. It's power to experience the supernatural. Signs, wonders, and miracles of God. It's available to all believers, to all followers of Christ, to all those who know Jesus. There's no exception. You're not just such a great Christian that it's available to you. It's available to all of us. Even if you just came to know the Lord, it's available to you. It dwells in us. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. But on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. There's a similar thought in Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We're not to be ignorant of his schemes, you know. We're not to focus on him, but we're not to be ignorant of his schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, although flesh and blood get used by the enemy. And unfortunately, that puts them in a position sometimes to be our enemies. But it's, that's not where it originates. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Power must fight against power. We're up against a powerful enemy, and we must fight that enemy with power. Our power is greater than his power. Our power is God's power. And he's created. God brought him in with a word. God will take him out with a word. So 2 Corinthians 10, Ephesians 6, they carry very similar thoughts. This is the power dwells within us. It's available to us. This is the power to threaten Satan's kingdom. This is the power to be victorious in spiritual warfare. This is the power, the ability, the capability to tear down strongholds, to unseat demonic powers in the culture, to tear down strongholds that exist in people's thinking that the world, the flesh, and the devil has built up over years keeps them from coming to know God. It's the power, as I said, to unseat evil forces in places of authority and throughout the culture. It's why Jesus said, relating to his power to the church, I will build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The power God has given to the church, to believers, to you, is greater than the power of the enemy to stand against us. It's just that we don't know that. And what we don't know can hurt us. We give in to all sorts of schemes from the enemy because we don't know we can stand against it. We war against the forces of darkness in the power that's available to us in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit. You know, if the word didn't say this, I would not even venture anywhere close to it. But the word says it. It's God's addressing it with the church. Challenging the church. 1 Corinthians 4.20. The kingdom of God, of which we're a part if we know Christ, is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of what? I didn't think you were listening. 
The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of... You're still not listening. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of... There is this erroneous thinking in the church today that operating in this power from God, this God-given power, is optional. Did you hear me? There's this thinking that operating in and out of the power of God is optional. It is not optional. It is standard. It is the norm. And it is absolutely needed for effective ministry. Look around you. Look at our culture. Look at our nation. Look at our world. You can see the church hasn't been walking in power. Is that a place for an amen maybe? You can see the church hasn't been walking in power. Righteousness is getting crushed under the foot of unrighteousness and wickedness and evil. We have made it optional. That's one, that's one way to live. That's the, that's the ultra charismatics grabbed onto that. That's one way to live. And, and then there's this whole other way where 90% of us are. It is not optional. We've made it optional and we suffered greatly for it. Therefore, the devil has had his way with the church for decades. Jesus said, I will build my church and the devil can't prevail against it. This is the way it is right now. The devil's having his way and the church is unable to prevail against it. First, or 2 Timothy 1.7, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power. Same word power, same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Gave us power, love, and self-discipline, or that can say a sound mind. I just want to be careful, but be careful not to buy into all these diagnoses that go around. If you're a Christian, God has given you a sound mind. And he said, they that trust in me will remain vital even unto old age. They will flourish and they will produce fruit. It's your choice whether you want to believe that or not and live according to that. It always comes down to that, doesn't it? It's your choice whether you want to believe this or not. And unfortunately, when we choose not to believe God's promises, there's no guarantee then we'll experience his promises. We may experience the very things we're speaking on ourselves because we're not obeying his promises. Oh, yeah, that'll probably happen to me. That runs in my family. Uh, very well may happen to you now. Or you can say, wait a minute, I came to know the Lord and that curse was broken. And his word says that if I trust in him, I will remain vital even unto old age. I will flourish and produce fruit even into my old age. Hey, that's what I'm believing. Again, if it wasn't in his word, we wouldn't have a leg to stand on. But it's in his word. So knowing the power of God, it's available to us, it's within us by the Holy Spirit. We're not to be timid. We're not to be afraid. We're not to be scared. We're not to be worried. We're not to be anxious. Neither are we to be obnoxious or arrogant, but that's another sermon. But we're to be bold. We're to be confident, assured Christians. 
who can stand our ground against the enemy. There's very little chance you will face Satan. You will see Satan. You will confront Satan face to face. But you will confront somebody that he is instigating face to face. Satan has stolen this from the church. God wants to restore this to the church. And by the way, the word know, Paul prayed that they would know this. The word know is much, much more than mental assent. It's much, much more than knowledge of facts and data and information. This word know carries with it the sense of, I know it by experience. I have experienced it. I am familiar. Paul's praying that they would know this, not just the facts of it, not just the truth of it, but they would know it by experience in their lives. This incomparably great power of God available to us in us. God wants us to experience it. He wants us to experience all that was mentioned here today. Hard to believe, right? Your mind's going to reject it, but your spirit will receive it. Your spirit's going to eat it up. Your your spirit's going to say, this is what I've been longing for. And your mind's going to say, well, now, wait a minute. I've never really seen this before. It's only for them back then. It's not for... you got to resist those thoughts and believe the word of God with your spirit by faith. So what can we do? In light of what we heard, what can we do? Well, I'm glad that you ask. Because this is a sermon on intercession. Remember that? This is a sermon on intercession. God is continuing to challenge us in the area of intercession. Paul interceded on behalf of the Ephesians, pleading with God to give them understanding to know the power that is theirs in Christ. We must be, are you still with me? Neighbor nudge. We haven't done that for a while. Neighbor nudge. Wake them up. Make sure they're listening. No punching back there. Just neighbor nudge. This is not a license to go on somebody. Paul interceded on behalf of the Ephesians, pleading with God to give them understanding that they might know this power, experience this power. We must be interceding for one another. That God will enlighten our eyes, the eyes of our understanding, to know and experience, to walk in the power of God in our generation. No less desperately needed now than then. Maybe more so. Probably equal. What may happen? Just let your mind run. What might happen if we earnestly, urgently, diligently begin to intercede before God and plead with him on one another's behalf? Give us understanding that we would know the fullness of the power, wisdom and revelation, that we would know the fullness of the power that is available to us and within us. That's what we can do. Right now, that's what God's asking us to do, intercede for one another in the way Paul did for the Ephesians. It almost seems like, and this is the close, it almost seems like 
these kind of truths we can't come to understand on our own by just having it talked to us like today. It seems to take this matter of a level of intercession by someone on behalf of another so that God can make it clear. I guess, in other words, we need each other. We need each other. If you want to understand this, you got to have somebody praying for you, and you better be praying for somebody else. Pull out your insert. <laughs> you should be used to that. I don't think many of you are even using it anymore. But it's the same as the last three weeks. This week, ask God to give you a name or names for which you will pray regularly. I got to emphasize and break us out of this mindset. We're not saying a prayer for them Monday and that's it. We're praying regularly for them throughout the week. Whatever regularly means to you and God, we're praying regularly for them. In other words, you're bringing them before his throne often. And what you're asking this week is you're asking God to open their eyes, whoever you're going to be praying for, open their eyes to understand this incomparably great power that's available to us. Open us up so we, we can understand it, and then we can know it, which means we can experience it. And I'm really looking forward to testimonies as we finish up this intercession. I've already heard a couple where some, we were praying for revelation, and somebody said, hey, I had a dream. Do you think that was really from the Lord? It happened to be a person that I was praying for. I said, you better believe it is, and you better not take it lightly because I've been praying that God would give you revelation. So if you're starting to receive visions and dreams and prophetic words and understanding, don't take that lightly. It's because somebody's praying for you, that very thing. <laughs> well, if I haven't said it yet today, I'll say it now. I love you guys. <laughs> I know you do, Art. I know you do. All right, well, you can stand with me, band. We're going to try it. Come forward quickly. I don't know why everybody lallygags around in church. You see them outside, and it's like, got to get here, got to do this, got to do that. You invite them to come up front, and it's like, there's Dawn. Look at Dawn, compliant child. You're praying, right? Ron's going to lead us in prayer, and then we're going to play a song. Wow, at first, back in, back in the room, I, I told him I didn't really feel adequate to pray, but after I heard this message, I couldn't, the Holy Spirit said pray. So let's lift him, the Lord up. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and you heard the message we heard. You, you want us to have this power. You desire us to have this power. Over, over the... You know, the 30 years I've been a Christian, I very rarely heard this message. And Lord, now you're, you're bringing it upon us at this time. We're ready for it. Yes. And Lord, we just want to lift that up to you, the power, the power. Jesus gave us all authority to bind what's, on, bind what's in heaven and loosen what's in heaven. And Lord, we have to use that authority. We have to, you know, use the authority Jesus said that, I hope you're greater than the teacher. And Lord, that's paraphrasing. But Lord, we just praise you that we want to be equal to Jesus in what he walked in, in his power. Yes. And Lord, we just ask you through the power of the Holy Spirit 
that we walk in that power, Lord, to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, have the gifts of the fivefold ministries. We just want, we just crave it. We desire it, Lord. We 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 just want to lift that up. Gifts of healing, yes, gifts Lord. you know of wonders, signs and miracles, Lord. They're all there for us. You're handing them. I can see your hand, cup, handing it out to us. And there's gifts in your hand that we can grab, Lord. And Lord, we just as a church, as individuals, we want to receive this power. Yes. We want to walk in this power. We need this power, Lord, to take uh, this ecclesia the next level. Yes. And Lord, and take the, the world out there, Lord. And we just do want this power for your kingdom yes. to bring in the harvest. We just lift this up to you. We just oh crave this yes. power, you, Lord. Lord. We crave it, Lord. I mean, this is, I'm learning it myself within the last few years. And it's so exciting yes. that when, you know, I just have to tell people about the power that we have. And Lord, as we pray for one another, as we pray for the church throughout the week, Lord, that we pray that they have the wisdom, yes. the mighty wisdom that we heard last week, but then also that wisdom turns into power. Yes. And Lord, we just lift that up to you, Lord. Yes. We just wanna praise you and thank you, you know, because you revealed your power in, all through the Bible. You know, from the beginning to the end. And, Lord, and it's available to us. Thank you, Lord. It's available to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're excited about that. And we want to lift that up to you. We just want to praise you. We just want to thank you. And we, we call this out in the mighty name of Yeshua, Jesus. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.